Um, it's wonderful to just get our minds established more and more into the grace of God, the unconditional love of God. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about um, understanding your salvation, knowing what we have been saved from and what we are being saved into. Um, you know, so many times we just know one thing, we're not under the law. You know, and that's good. I think that's one of the best things you can know. Um, but if you're not under that anymore, then you are into something else. And we want to discover what we've been into. It's like uh, we've been talking about, you know, when we were in Egypt, we were under this law, under that law, under that law. But when you've been taken out of that, okay, uh, what is the promised land all about? How does that work? How does that function? So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Okay, we're going to, um, let's first go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, just want to say this as introduction. And verse 24. Very, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it. And he that hates his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will the Father honor. Now that can sound like such a, a law-based message of I must now serve God. You know, I must do everything for God. Now what it says here is if you love your life, you will lose it. But if you hate your life in this world, you'll gain it. Now what that means is, if you love the, your life, your life talks about the context here. First he says, you must die. And if you die, you know, if Jesus dies, then he can bring forth much fruit. That's what he was saying. He was saying, except the corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it cannot bring forth fruit. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit that looks exactly like the one that died. You know, so Jesus comes and he lives a holy life, a righteous life, a life uh, in absolute obedience to God, uh, fully righteous before God, by, I mean, in, in who He is. He was born the Son of God. And when He died, He died so that He could bring forth fruit that looks exactly like Him. Okay? So when He died, and this is what He says, unless He dies, He cannot bring forth fruit. Now, if He dies and we still love our life, now, what is our life? He says, if, if you don't hate your life in this world, this world talks about the law system. If you don't hate your life where you are justified by the system of this world, it says you will lose the life that God got for you in Christ. You will lose that. You will not be a partaker of what Christ has done. That's what the word sin means. The word sin means not to partake in. So, um, I want to say this. It, when it comes to the law life, the works righteous life, it is not a matter of, well, I'm thinking about it, if I should partake in it or not, or how can I cut this thing to a place where, I, um, where, where there's a good balance between law and grace. No. He says, if you don't hate your life, detest the life by the law. That's what it's all about. If you don't hate the life that is born from the law, you know, then you will lose the life that is from God. Amen. Oh, my son says I must move this way. Let's do it. So, um, you, will, you will lose the life that God has gained for you. It's as simple as that. You know, if I come and I prepare a meal for you, but you don't... First say, I'm, I don't like the other food. I like the food that Bathy has prepared. You're going to lose out on this because you're going to eat something else and don't want this. And the bad thing about the law life is this. It looks as if it brings forth life, but it brings forth sins and death. Okay? And God wants to save us from that. Now, um, in the, I don't know how many years, since 1996... I've looked at church, I've looked at the grace message, I've looked at people that believe the grace message, that get into the grace message, and i found this thing. 
that sins, talking about sins like um, swearing, fighting, bitterness, hatred, and all those kind of things, is a fruit of the law, and it kills people. It kills people. So many times we think that God is angry with people because of their sins. God is not angry with people because of sin. Jesus Christ took the sin of the whole world upon Him and destroyed the body of the law wherein you are defined by what you do. Okay, He destroyed that forevermore and He took the punishment of sin upon Him. But if we walk in those things, it destroys our lives. And when Jesus Christ came and He fulfilled the law... He fulfilled the way in which you are justified by your works. He ended that. And He ended the effect of that in your life, which is the manifestation of the flesh in your life, which destroys you. Now, that is awesome. You know, uh, I remember years ago I preached, and this was what my life was part of. It was, believe in Jesus, and then you change your conduct. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ saved you from the law and its effect in your life, which is the manifestation of the flesh. And we're going to get into that. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you that we hate the life of works righteousness and we love what you've done. I thank you, Lord, that we don't have to try and manifest a new life, but a new life is born from you. And thank you that you come and reveal to us what we have been saved unto. Thank you, Lord, that we can know uh, this kingdom that we are in, how it functions, what, what is ours, what is our inheritance. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, hallelujah. Right, so what did we inherit in Jesus Christ? Now, let's go to Romans 6. Romans 6. I'm going to minister on it this week and then another two, two Sundays as well. I just believe this is so important, knowing what we've received. You know, when you buy, when you go and get a cell phone package, my, you know, my one friend, he came to me and he, he went bankrupt a couple of years ago. And uh, so, and he was a very rich guy. I mean, really rich. You know, 20,000 hectare farms and, I mean, he's a rich guy. I mean, the workers, the workers on the farms had a thousand cattle, to, to give you an idea. And he lost everything. You know, the other day, and I said the other, two years ago, he phoned me, he says, Bertie, I'm walking where I must be. I'm trying to do business, I'm walking with my feet, you know. So, and now he's, he's starting to do, um, and he, he got a contract now, he started again with really with nothing. It's not the, he went bankrupt, still got a lot of stuff. He really had nothing, nothing, nothing. And um, so he started walking again, whatever, and he came to me yesterday, he got a contract uh, where he's going to make a million rand profit for a year. Thank you, Jesus. You know, you can see the joy in his heart. Not just for the money, but just to see the, the righteousness of God, the blessing of God. And, and I think the greatest joy in his heart is simply the fact that that money doesn't have a hold on him anymore. And this is what he said to me. He said to me, Well, Bertie, I realized this one guy said to me, As he will, if you want to pass through up, the cockroach way. I said, I said, now what's the cockroach way? He says, the cockroach doesn't live in the fridge. He just lives under the fridge. I said, now what's that? He says, now just lower your standards, you'll survive. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just lower your standards, you'll survive. <laughs> so he lowered his standards and he survived, you know? So, well, thank you. So he said, like, he went to this, he, he wanted to cut down his phone bill. So what he did was, he, he went to a, a guy that's an expert in how to phone cheap. <laughs> So this guy, what he did was, he went to Chelsea, and he got a contract there. That contract costs, say, 120 rand a month. But if you get it from game, then they give you a 3,000 rand voucher. Then you take the 3,000 rand voucher, you take one five of that, and then you buy airtime for the next year on that same, because it's like a, a thing you pay for data or something. So you use that money and you buy for one year already. Then you've got another 1,500 left. And then he explains with well, that 1,500 how you buy other things. And eventually, you've got 10 SIM cards. <laughs> but you can phone for 300 rand a month, 500 minutes a month, and get 2 gigabytes of data. Okay, so this, so you, <laughs> so if you really want to save, you can, I can give you his number. <laughs> so, 
What? Okay, sorry. I must. I shouldn't stand there. I don't know why. Okay. Well, anyway. So, so the, the the whole thing is you want to know what you get yourself into when you get the contract. Okay. What is the pros and cons of this thing? And the same with the gospel. We want to know what we get into. What do we get into? One thing we do know is we have been saved from the law. We have been saved from uh, works righteousness. But what are all the positive things that comes with this? And Paul wrote this in Corinthians. He wrote this in Galatians. He wrote this in Philippians. And if you read with a law mentality, if you think with a law mentality, you will think I'm going to preach the law today. But I'm not. I'm sharing with you who you are. Every time Paul corrected somebody when it comes to conduct, it was all about who they are, not what they do. Who they are. Amen. Who are we in Christ? Um, and when he saw people live a life of destruction, a life of bondage, then he said, well, these people don't know what, I mean, they don't know the, the, the positive things of this new contract they're under. They forgot what they've been saved from. Peter said the same thing. I mean, Peter had a very law-based uh, way of thinking, especially in the beginning of his ministry. He was just law-based. But Peter even said, if somebody lived in sin, they forgot that they were forgiven. So a life, a conduct of destruction, you know, is born out of you don't believe what you have been saved from and saved unto. And in uh, my years of preaching grace, I've seen people that love the message of grace and not understand this and go and live a life of destruction and it just destroys them. It destroys them. They are loved by God, you know. I mean, like, if my son tomorrow goes on drugs, will I love him less? No way. I love him the same. My love for him can never change. But what will happen with his future? Okay? Now, the big, and, and this is the thing. There's two things to us. Number one, your life will be destroyed because of a wrong conduct. Okay? And number two, you live in a lie. You think that this is part of your life and you just live in a lie. And who wants to live in a lie? You don't want to live in a lie. You want to live in the truth. Um, it's like, say South Africa, look at South Africa. I believe that, I mean, God's blessing this country and things will just go better all the time, you know. And, uh, man, I, I'm ex happy, you know. I'm full of joy living here. I enjoy South Africa. I mean, when I go to the U.S., people ask me, don't you want to move here? We can organize things for you. And just before I left, I asked, they asked me, Bertie, now, um, what's the best thing of the United States? I said, the plane home. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's the best thing. I enjoy Cape Town. I enjoy living in Malmesbury. The, the, the kind of life I live is such an awesome life. Well, talking about just in this world. So if we look at our country, if I come... If, if, you, if it's actually going to go well, but you believe it's not going to go well, you're living in a lie. And your whole life is formed out of that lie, and you've never tasted reality. And that's a bad thing. So your life will be destroyed, which is bad. And the other bad thing is, it's just the fact that you're living the lie. You're not living in the truth about who you are. You're not making use of what God has given you for free. And this is what the Bible says. Those who received Jesus, grabbed a hold of, with a purpose to make use of Jesus, they will be saved. So when we grab a hold of Christ, we grab a hold of Christ with a purpose to make use of Christ. How do we make use of Christ? Uh, I mean, what does it mean to make use of Christ? What it means is, I see what he did and what is the effect of that in my life, and I yield myself to that. I say, God, this is what you do, this is my expectation. I expect to live in peace. I expect to have joy, the joy that comes free from works. I expect to have a change of life free from human effort. I expect that. I expect what you bring my way free from my works. That is, the, and I've got a confident expectation into that. Now, this is what it says in Romans 7. Sorry, Romans 6. Um, we're just going to read about 13, 14 verses here, uh, just through the service. It says, but what shall we, let's read chapter 5, verse 
um, 20 first. Chapter 5 verse 20. It says, Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So first we want to define the word sin here. He says the law entered so that the offense might abound. What was the offense? The offense that Adam committed, which he spoke about in Romans 5, was to believe in works righteousness. So what God did was he allowed the law to be given in written format. That's what people wanted. He gave the law in written format for the purpose of making that offense abound into sins. And then if you read the context of Romans 5, 6, and 7, Paul calls those sins the fruit of the flesh. Okay? The fruit of the flesh are all the, the bad things that we always heard in church of. Jy moet dit stop, en as jy dit nie doen nie, as jy nie vlees, en the condemnation, and all those kind of things. That's what Paul talked about. Now we need to talk about this, and, and because there's such power in this, and I know, even as I, as I talk about this, and people might watch by the web and say, oh, we're going back to the law. We're not going back to the law. We are explaining our new life. We're explaining our new life. I remember the despair that I was in when I was under the law trying to change my life and I couldn't. You know, I, I couldn't. But now I'm under grace. I thank God for my life. But do you want to say that the effect of works righteousness and the effect of the gospel is the same in my life? No. I've got peace. True peace. I don't want to fake peace. I want true love for people. Not fake the life of Christ. If we, remember what we said, if Jesus died, then He will bring forth fruit in His very same likeness. All we do, if you want to know what's my work unto that, is we yield ourselves to that. So in other words, we say, I expect that to manifest in my life by the power of Jesus and not my works, for I cannot do it. And should Jesus do it in your life, you don't say, I'm holy because He's done it in my life. If it hasn't happened in your life, say yet, and you're still struggling. This is what the Bible says. These things I say to you that you may not sin, but should you sin, we've got an advocate with the Father. So should it not happen, say you sit with uh, a bad temper, and you want to get rid of a bad temper. That bad temper costs you business. Because if somebody doesn't do the thing the right way the first time, you shout at him. Your bad temper causes that people cannot work for you. Because if people work for you and you lose your uh, temper, then they leave after one week. So you've got a high turnover of staff all the time. And you want this to change. Now you go and you know, I cannot do this by willpower. I've tried all the time. Now I get into the grace. I see this doesn't change. Okay, what then? Am I going to feel guilty now? No, I'm not going to feel guilty because I'm not judged by my works. My works cannot say who I am. I am not defined by my works. But the fact that I'm not defined by my works doesn't mean that I am not allowed to have that. Jesus Christ came to give it to us, for the law could not give it to us. The law could not bring it to us, but Jesus gives it to us for free. So as easy as what it is for you to know, I am saved because I believe in Jesus... Included into that, the Bible says, add to your faith temperance. Add to temperance virtue, knowledge, all these things. We can add it into that package. So if I say, I'll go to heaven free from my works, I can also say, I'll receive freedom from the bondage of the flesh in this life free from my works. Amen. So the law entered that, the, that sin might abound. Now listen to what he says here in chapter 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin or under the law where sin abounds, that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. Now, let me explain that. Jesus was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. 
Okay? Another place says, by the Holy Spirit. Now, I like what he says here, by the glory of the Father. Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. The word glory means view and opinion. So Jesus was raised from the dead by, I know the Holy Spirit raised him, but there was something else that's very dynamic here. Jesus was raised from the dead by his view and opinion of the Father. The Bible says there's only one sign that shall be given us, and that is the sign of Jonah, talking to the Pharisees. Only one sign. As uh, Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man will be three days in the heart of the earth. Okay? Now, if you go and look at Jonah in the whale, he prayed there. If we look at Jesus hanging on the cross, busy dying, he is praying to the Father. He's got faith towards the Father. And what caused him to be saved from that death? His belief in who the Father was and in who he is, in how good the Father is and in what Jesus has done for him, raised him from that death. Now it says here, as Jesus was raised from the dead, we are raised into newness of life. That talks about a new way of manifesting the very life of God in us. We are raised to that. How? By the glory of the Father. So when we get the true view and opinion that God has for us, the view that, that, that the angels has about who God is, so this is it, there's glory, the glory of the Father, what God thinks about you and, what, and who God really is. When we believe that and that persuasion comes to our heart, the Holy Spirit raises, up, raises us up into the kind of life that Jesus has. A life of peace, a life of joy, a life of power, a life of ease, a life where we are not defined by the things around us. Like Jesus in John chapter 2, the Bible says, And many believed Jesus because of all the miracles He did. And then the Bible says, But Jesus never committed Himself to them knowing what is in man. Now I want that freedom. I want to, not that I don't have it, but I want to walk in that freedom where I am not, I don't care how many people follow what I say? That's true freedom. Why should we fake saying, well, I don't care what people say. I don't care. Th this guy says this, that guy says that, so I don't care. But actually you care, but you just say it. And you, you know, because you are actually deep in your heart, you feel undefined by how many people. You know, like Sandy said to us, last year they sold a certain amount of houses. This year they sold so many more. This year already, you know. Last year she could not be defined by the amount she sold. And this year she cannot be defined by the amount she sold. And to really, from the depth of your heart, feel that peace, knowing that this is maybe just the way, the, this just determines how much money has come in. But it does not determine who I am and really live in that freedom. From the depth of your heart. That's what he says here. So our view and opinion, um, or, or God's view and opinion, which we know and live in, is what brings true peace and true joy to us. Amen. And what's, what manifests the life of God. Listen to verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. The old law system was crucified with Christ. Why? So that the body that the law used to manifest its sin might be destroyed. So you have been forgiven. The word forgive means to be separated from that which destroys your life. You don't always have to be depressed. You've been saved from depression. You don't always have to fear when you see the oil price is $120. You've been saved from that. It's not, well, I'm in grace here Sunday on, in, in church, glory to God, you know, and just when I go to bed at night, when I take communion, I feel a bit good. No, no. That means you've been saved from the body of the law, which manifests all its fruit. So the expectation in your life is... The manifestation of who God is in human flesh. Because when the law was fulfilled, we were removed from condemnation. 
knowing that I'm not condemned should I do something wrong. But I've also been removed from the power of the flesh manifesting its sins in my life. And that all by the power of God. So all that I want to point you guys to is, broaden what you receive for free. Broaden what you receive for free. You have not just received for free no condemnation should you do something wrong. You've also received for free the manifestation of His life in your life. Amen. I want peace at my house. I'm not judged by the peace in my house. The peace in my house doesn't show me who I am. But it's much nicer to live in peace. Paul was sitting in the jail singing songs unto God. To do that there cannot be done by human effort. It's impossible. It is supposed, or not supposed, it was born of God. Born of God. But in this world, this world dictates to us all the time, you are this kind of a person, you're supposed to, to behave this way, should this happen, should that happen. And we live in this world all the time, and we are bombarded with this all the time, and don't Think of the reality of what God has done for us and what we can expect of Him in this world. Amen. Right. It happens so many times. Let's read on. Verse 7. Let's read verse 6 again. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him. In other words, the man where we're justified by the law is crucified with Jesus, that the body that sin used might be destroyed which was the law system, that henceforth we should not be a, ser a servant of sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, Reckon yourself also to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it and it, the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your, your members as instruments of unrighteousness, unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbids. God ceases the sin to exist. Verse 16. Know you not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Isn't that awesome? I thank God that the gospel of Jesus is not just a mere theory. It is a reality of newness of life. And if you sit here today and if you watch by the web and you've just got the sin consciousness all, the, all of a sudden, that is not born from God. This, what I'm bringing is a consciousness of what Jesus has done and its effects in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to be faithful to my wife based on my willpower. I want faithfulness to be born of God out of a revelation what I have been born into, the kingdom of God I've been born into. It is not right, it's not just that I must be faithful to my wife, I must be a good father to my children, I must be a, 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 a good minister of the gospel based on willpower if God came to give it to me by birth. It's unfair, it's not right. It's like, some, it's like living in the new South Africa and being discriminated against. No. We've got a right. If you're white or black, doesn't matter. There's an equality and you've got a certain right. If it doesn't happen towards you, you will feel, man, listen, maybe my fathers oppressed the black people. Why should I now suffer for it? We're now in a new South Africa with new laws. So the new law says that we're all equal, so if I qualify, I can also have the job. Why should another guy have the job if I'm also qualified? Why is it not fair? 
The moment something is not fair, we come against it because it's not just. It is not just for me to be a good husband, to be a good father by willpower. And it's not just for me to say, Jesus is my Savior. It's not just to live a life of misery. Being bound under fear, being bound under outbursts of wrath. It's not fair, it's not just, it's not mine. What is mine is what Christ has been born into when He was raised up from the dead. He was the first to be born from the dead. And we are born from the dead into that newness of life. When it comes to finances, it is not just. It is not just to stress. It's not just to fear. It's not just. It doesn't belong to you. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's unfair. How can, what right does fear have to come and tamper with you, a child of God, that has been born into the likeness of God, that's been set free from the power of the flesh, which will try and bring forth fear? It's got no right. We yield our bodies to be instruments of righteousness. What that means is, and I want to explain that quickly, I hope I can find that verse quickly, um, it says in verse 13, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. So, it says, don't yield your members, don't yield your life, don't yield your body as an instrument of unrighteousness. So, in other words, if I'm an instrument used by unrighteousness, it will be unto sin. So don't yield your body as an instrument unto the law which declares you unrighteous, which will just manifest sins. Yield your body as an instrument of righteousness. Say, I am righteous. Righteous means I've got the right. I have the right by Christ Jesus to free from willpower, free from hard work, have True peace when it comes to my finances, knowing that Jesus Christ is my provider. And the fruit of that gives birth to a new life. Amen. That's what we've been saved unto. Why should we live a life of misery all the time? I know, and I mean, I use it in my life uh, on a regular basis. When you do something wrong and that thing wants to condemn you, you say, man, there's no condemnation for me. I am in Jesus. I am in what He's done for me. Glory to God. That's where I am. I'm not going to live by the condemnation that this work wants to speak about me. My works, the word based on my works is not as power as the word of God based on the work of Jesus pertaining to my life. If I do a work about my life, wherein my life must be defined, but Jesus did a work wherein my life was defined, whose word has got the most authority? The word of Jesus. So I, I live by that. Like my, uh, 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 I've, I know a guy that, I mean, he was going through a very bad time and struggle with um, alcohol, you know. So then the guy would become drunk. When he's drunk, you know, then the next day or three days, he'll be drunk for three days, he'll phone me and Bertie, man, I feel so condemned. It takes him another three days just to feel good again, taking the good news, saying, I'm not justified by my works. I'm not, you don't want to live a life like that, even if it's true. We don't want that kind of a life. We want the life manifesting in our life which is effortless, where Jesus Christ's work is, and I don't want to prove anything to anybody, it's just for, for yourself, where the work of Christ has got full right to my body, where I expect the manifestation of what He's done in my life. Otherwise, we sit with half a salvation, or we've got a whole salvation, but we don't make use of everything. Like I always say to the people um, in, the, in the gospel outreaches we have, I say, if somebody gives you a lamb, you know, there's no klaag slag alles, you gaan hem nou braai, ne? Are you only going to eat the chops? No, you eat the whole thing. Some people want the tripe as well. We want everything, puikies, everything. We're going to eat it all. In the, same, in the same way, when it comes to the gospel, 
When Jesus Christ gave you, you don't have to be condemned if you do something wrong. Okay? And He has given to you, I will manifest my life in you. Why do we yield ourselves only for, I mean, it will be a half a yielding. No, we yield ourselves for everything. Glory to God. You know, I look at relationships. Um, you know, people get into relationships. They, they, they yield to the, uh, the, the law way of doing a relationship. And it just brings hurt. So much pain, man. We go out together for, for two months in, in a law way which manifests sin, which manifests the fruit of the flesh, and then it takes us six months to get over that. And whenever we see that person in the street, we always feel guilty. And we've got a quote for scriptures. I'm not condemned. I'm not, I'm, I'm not condemned. We don't want to live like that, man. We don't want to live like that. We've got a better life. Which cost the blood of Jesus for us to have for free. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to go out here and you're now just going to get it right. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, yield your members to this. Yield. That's what I'm doing. You know, as I, as I live my life at home, I, I might get angry for something, or I might this or that or whatever. You know, the other day I, I worked only until four in the morning, getting stuff done. I mean, you get up the next morning at seven, you're tired, man. You can easily be agitated about something. You can be irritated about something. That, it, it is like that. That's normal life. I'm not going to be judged by how I feel there. But my mind, I yield myself to the effect of the gospel of grace manifesting in my life. And this is what Paul said. We've yielded ourselves to the law and its manifestation. Why? And the, the purpose of the law's manifestation was the multiplication of sins. Let's yield ourselves to grace and having the expectation of grace in our lives, which is freedom from bondage, freedom from, from fear, freedom from all those kind of things. Glory to God. <clears throat> Um, I see there's, there's something else here in Romans. Let's read Romans 7. I'm going to just explain what it means to bear fruit unto God. Romans 7 verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that you should be married to Christ, even to Him who is raised from the dead. So, now listen to this. You became dead to the law so that Paul uses marriage here. Very important. Because in marriage you bear fruit. A lady bears fruit. What is the fruit? The fruit is the children of that man. She bears him a son or she bears him a daughter. Okay? So she bears fruit unto him. Now it says... We became dead to the law because under the law we were bearing fruit unto the law. Intimacy with the law, we were bearing fruit unto the law. That fruit was, we were bearing works righteousness. We came forth with our own works holiness, actually telling God, this is, this is my effort to, to be on your standard. It also brings forth sins. That's what it clearly states. We're going to read that now. It brought forth sin manifestation of the flesh okay so when it brings forth the manifestation of the flesh we were bringing forth fruit unto the law by being intimate with works righteousness now what i've seen is when it comes to fruit um people to me i, I and, and i just want to there's no scripture for this but this is the practical thing that i've seen when it comes to uh, married couples, you, you'll ask them, okay now, so uh, what do you guys, you guys got married now, so when do you think, when are you going to have children? No, we think we're going to wait about two years before we're going to have children. And I found that in the gospel, it is just like that. We will have intimacy with the love of God, but and I, in the hurt that I've had in my life of the fruit of the law, which comes with condemnation and hurt and and abuse and all those kind of things when you come into grace you are scared of fruit you don't want to hear the word fruit because the word fruit is associated with hurt and i cannot make it and i cannot qualify and i cannot so we don't want to talk about fruit yet the apostle paul wrote chapters on fruit 
Okay? So if we cannot talk about this, if we cannot share about this, it just means we are still living in the hurt. We are still bearing the children of the law. So Paul comes and he does write about this because this is your right. It's like me coming to you and selling you a certain product, but I don't tell you all the, all the, the whole thing. Yeah, I must tell you everything. It's like my father-in-law now. They're getting people to... Um, the guy wants to rent a house from him. So the guy says, no, no, he wants to rent a house. After they signed the contract and whatever, he rented the house with a purpose to like, like almost make a small old age home there. So he's going to put seven old people in the house, on the farm, next to my father-in-law. And they don't have a car, and these, none of these people have, have cars, and my father-in-law lives 25 kilometers out of town. So who's going to drive around all the time? I mean... These people don't have an income. So it's going to be a problem. So this guy didn't tell him everything. In the same with grace, we cannot keep part of it back. Everything is, we've been saved unto newness of life. We've been saved unto His kind of life, free from our efforts. That's what He freely gives us, and we can receive it. The only thing that will make it difficult for you to receive it is if you want to receive this based on your thought of the old law fruit. We'll say, no, I don't want this because this is just going to make it difficult for me. No, no, no. This is the easiest life. Amen. Right. <clears throat> um, verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, you are also become dead unto the law by the body of Christ, that you should be, should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. How difficult is it for a lady to bear fruit. It comes by itself. It comes out of that intimacy. But she will only have fruit if she wants the fruit. Okay? If my wife didn't want kids, you know, she would say, no, I'm not into children. We can be intimate, but we're not going to have kids. But I want to tell you, if there's an expectation for a child, you know, it is an expectation. I'm not talking about forced marriage. I'm not talking about the forced thing here. I'm just talking about every person has got a free will to have whatever he wants. If I want, if my wife wants children, you know, then she can have children. If she doesn't want children, she's not going to have children. Although there can be intimacy. That's why Paul says here, yield your members as instruments unto righteousness. Yield yourself. Say, out of this intimacy, when I come here on a Sunday, when I think about the love of God, I yield myself, I'm open for the fruit of a new life that will manifest by this intimacy. I'm not only for the, in, in this thing, for the emotional um, and the, the, the psychological peace I have in the theory, but I'm also into this for it to bear its fruit in me. I'm not saying you got to try and copy Jesus. I'm talking about intimacy with the expectation of fruit being born from Christ. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Let's end off with one verse. <clears throat> and um, you know, there are many scriptures in the Bible. I'm going to read one and I will answer it two weeks from now. And when we read it, we struggle with those verses because we don't know what it means. But once we start to look into what Paul said in Romans 7, Romans 8, we start to understand this. Listen to what, what he says in verse, um, verse 18. Sorry, this is Galatians 5, verse 18. It says, But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I told you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, here the Apostle Paul, in the biggest grace book in the Bible, Galatians, writes such a thing. Now, if you understand that correctly, you'll actually see how he encouraged them. So we will, we will still explain that, but I don't want to get into that. That's, that's a whole message to explain that. Now, let's go quickly to verse um, <clears throat> 24. It says, And you and they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So, come on. <clears throat> this is what Paul says. You have not only crucified the law. 
way. You have not, when Christ was crucified, the Bible says you have crucified. When he was crucified, you've crucified the flesh. What is the flesh? Righteousness by works. That was crucified and the passions, the desires that comes from that has been crucified. Now, Romans 7, I end of, Romans 1 verse 17, I end off with this. The righteousness of God is manifested from faith to faith. What does that mean? This righteousness, what righteousness? The right that I can now live on the basis and say that I, I'm not going to be justified by the works of the law and the passions, the lusts that came forth by the work of the law has also been crucified. That righteousness, the Bible says, is manifested in my life when I am persuaded that that has really happened. Amen. So, if you see those things in your life, don't be condemned, don't feel God's against me, don't feel you're not loved by God or anything like that. You're not justified by those things. All you do is you say, thank you Jesus, when I see these things in my life, that I can be more persuaded of what has been crucified. Because this is a destructive pattern. Paul, let me give you a good example. Paul comes in uh, 1 Corinthians, 2, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11. I think it's there. Paul says, <clears throat> Not all things, he says, are, uh, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Then he goes on to the next verse saying, I had a right to take up money from you but I did not make use of it because it wouldn't have been expedient for you. Okay. <laughs> so Paul comes and he even categorized if I should take money from the church in Corinth because that's such a big money issue. He did take from Philippi and he did take from the people in Macedonia, but he never took from the churches in Corinth. He says, I rather work with my hands because I shall not be brought under the power of anything. I don't want to be under your power. I don't want to be under your manipulation and your control. But I gave to you, therefore you must this and this. I don't want to be under that. So, it is, everything is lawful for me. I can even take money from you. It's lawful. But I will then be under your power. So I'll rather work. So Paul saw that as missing the mark by taking money from people. It was in the same category as what he mentioned in chapter 11 when he spoke about a food offered to idols. So we as Christians, this is the revelation from where Paul lived, we are a free people. We are free. We're not going to become free. We are free. Amen. And he said, I will not be brought under bondage. Bondage by what? By the law system trying to, to, to tell me this and this and this. I am a free person. His life is my life. Not just spiritually one day, right now, his life is my life and I can live free from the passions and the lusts of the flesh. And we can bear forth fruit unto God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to tell you, if anybody says that the grace message is a license to sin, he has just sinned. For the law is the license unto sin and grace is the license, the freedom, the liberty we have as human beings to be righteous before God, manifesting the life of God in us. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let us pray together. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want right there where you are, you know, as I was preaching, I just feel this freedom, this reality of who I am. I feel the freedom of God knowing that my, my body is yielded to this message of grace and the manifestation of God in my physical life. Thank you, Jesus. I want us to pray together. <clears throat> Just with your eyes closed, um, <clears throat> I want you to see yourself in front of God. In, in your mind's eye, I want you to see your spirit enlightened by the glory of God. But that that light doesn't just enlighten your heart but you see that light floods your whole body this gospel will not only flood your actions and your works into light but it will even in the return of christ flood your body into immortality
This is not just a spiritual theory. It is a spirituality that manifests in the physical with God's power as the source and not your willpower. See that light flooding your whole body, your mind. As you yield, you say, I make use of what Christ has done for my whole life and I will rest seeing Him manifesting this in me. Hallelujah. Not being anxious about change, but excited for what Christ has saved me into. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you that I can pray for this congregation, for myself. I thank you, Lord, that we can see what you've done for us. I thank you, Lord, that we are pampered by you in this message, where you say that I've even done that for you. Do you want it? And we make use of this by simply resting in what you've done. I declare every person here healed, every person touched, every person set free, every person having a confident expectation of the life of God manifesting in their lives. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Every bondage that you see, in, that you feel in your life, in the physical areas where you maybe struggle with depression, you struggle with hurt, you struggle with pain, you struggle with forgiving people and all those kind of things. Don't even try to forgive. Realize that the life where you walk in unforgiveness has died. It has, it's dead. It has died already. You are new. You can just, and, and the picture that I have, I just see like, a, 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 like this insect just throwing off the old skin and just walking on. The old has died. It's not for you to try and stop it. You can just walk away from it. It's not your life. You are a new person. You've inherited the life of God. You are free in Jesus' mighty name. You are healed. You have to try and get God to heal you. Just walk, walk away from that old life. You are free in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, if any of you want to give, <clears throat> I want to thank you. I want to first thank the people that do give uh, over here. It's a blessing to see your generosity, that people give out of the abundance of their hearts. I always say it this way, and, and um, at some leaders' conferences I said it, if you manipulate people for money, you will have money you're not supposed to have. <laughs> if you preach grace you will have the money that is born from God. So, and I want to thank you that I can see that people give liberally. Thank you for that. Thank you for your giving. Amen. Right. If anybody wants prayer, I will be here. I'll be praying for, for, for people. Please fellowship with each other. And remember, next week there will not be a service over here. God bless you guys.